seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to the big episode 100, the big 100 of Color of Magic. I am your Magic and Gaming Podcast host, Daquan Watson. And around here, we like to talk about all types of things that affect people at and away from their gaming tables and their keyboards. But I don't do this alone. For 100 episodes, I have found one person well, I guess technically a second, but one person that doesn't live with me that's willing to put up with me for that long. And it's Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? <laughs> and since the 100th episode, I'm challenging you to a steel cage match or something. Yeah. I don't know. You got to go big, right? Well, now it's not even a steel cage anymore. Good. You got to do hell in the cell or whatever it is now. Yeah. Texas <laughs> death match. We got to set each other on fire. Yep. Okay. Was it? What is the thing that Foley and them did, and what the, the C four match or whatever it was? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's when. Hey, guys, I, I, I love wrestling, but seriously, cut this out. Yeah, I'm trying to get nobody killed for real. Oh man, this is going to be a good show. We have a bunch of questions we want to get to from the listeners. Uh, we had some submitted on social media. We had some that came through our Patreon Discord. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna tackle a few different categories of conversation, but before we get to that, we do have to handle some business. So we got to tell you about our show sponsor, CardsFair.com. They're a great place if you're looking to sell cards, if you're looking to buy cards, but more importantly, if you want to kind of you know get them at a certain price, maybe you got a certain budget, maybe you're trying to get a certain amount selling your cards. Like you can do all that through their website. So check them out over at CardsFair.com. And if you want to support the show or like today, get your questions prioritized when we do stuff like this, you want to go over to patreon.com slash color of magic and help us out. You know, it's a good way to support us, keep the lights on, motivate us to keep finding new things we can do. And, uh, you know, really squeeze in these recordings because we're both trying to do it between other <laughs> other games. So, you know, oh man, I'll be honest, we appreciate yep. every single one of y'all for sure. And school has started, so now we're getting it in in between, you know, history projects and all that stuff there. Yeah, that's for real. Y'all, you've got even more stuff to deal with over there. And then uh, if you want to get some supplies, I would say for yourself, because we do have some tokens and some play mats, you can go over to colorofmtg.com slash shop. Check that out. Doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you want to get something for yourself and help the show out that way. We can take care of you. We can ship it all over the world. And we do have discounts for buying multiple items and some shipping discounts as well. Actually, just had some people pick up a couple of things last week. So thank you. Now, that gets us down to uh, some business. And I'm going to be honest. This, this is, this is going to be mostly a positive episode. However, <laughs> however... Coincidentally, today was a very interesting thing that happened. And it's usually like, okay, there's a certain amount of like critique you accept whenever you're going to be a streamer, content creator, whatever, right? You know that. There's always going to be somebody who has an opinion. Somebody wants to tell you that you're wrong, you know, whatever. So that part doesn't really get to me. And for whatever reason, I've seen this in all types of gaming. Everybody's always trying to prove themselves for some reason. 
like I there was somebody I was watching trying to get some team fight tactics tips. And I saw a couple of people like, oh, well, at this phase, you should have done this instead of buying this item or whatever. And I'm like, you do know this person is a world class player, right? Like they are well aware of what they could have done. <laughs> like and if you're listening to them, they explain why they went the route they did. Right. Like. It's just it doesn't matter what game you're playing. People always got to do it. So I get my fair share of that. And don't get me wrong. Like, I expect, because Magic's a difficult game to play perfectly anyway, that I am going to make mistakes and whatever. So I'm not even worried about it when people point out a mistake or whatever, because it eh, happens. I literally had somebody last week, maybe no, it was two weeks ago, that was like, hey, was there a reason you did this instead of this there? And I just went like, nope. And that was my response. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no reason at all. It's just a dumb mistake. You know, whatever. That happens. Not even worried about those comments. But what got to me today was I had multiple people, some people who felt the need to send me personal DMs even. They didn't even just leave these in the YouTube comments. Good Lord. Yeah. It was four of them. One of them was actually a random one, not even on today's video, showing a misplay from, well, because they were, because, you know, anybody who does Twitch stream, you always miss lethal every turn, apparently. Right. But. Somebody on a video from a couple weeks back wanted to post about missing lethal in a game where literally it didn't matter. I'm showcasing different cards. Opponent has zero outs no matter what I do on any play. And I'm like, I just left the comment and didn't even respond. So I was like, it didn't even matter. Like, sure, could I have won that turn? Yeah. What was the opponent going to do even if I didn't? There was literally zero outs for the opponent. Like, so I'm goofing around and Sometimes trying different cards. We need the video to be longer, y'all. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like I've said in videos. Like, I know this is the right play, but I'm gonna do this instead because we're making content and this card's in the Precisely. deck, and we want to see how this card works. Right? Sometimes you just do. But today there were four comments, four messages that were all wrong. Like one person literally is like, oh, well, if you'd have done this and your opponent would have lost because they would, didn't have a card in hand to discard. And I'm like, that's not true. In the video, I'm telling you why I can't make the play. And my opponent clearly has a card in their hand. <laughs> like, what are you even talking about? Like another person saying, we well, should have attacked here or there. And I'm like, uh, no, because then my creature just dies because that thing has death touch. Like, you know, like, come on, y'all. If you're going to correct somebody, at least have the wherewithal to be right like that's the first and that's in everyday life are not you even just here are, are you american sir do, do you know how this country works yeah no joke i mean but for real at least at least take a second to verify that you're correct before telling somebody else that they're wrong that's the biggest thing man you, you that's saucery you speak of for real and and here's the thing i talk to other content creators regularly particularly in the gaming space none of them give a damn like they don't care about your comments they they don't learn anything from them like on the rare occasion where you're like oh you may have missed this thing that if you'd have done this thing and there's this complicated sequence and you would have could have drawn two cards and could have done this okay cool then that's something worth pointing out but anything else is just a waste of time Especially if you're talking about somebody who does daily content or multiple videos a day or week or whatever, because they're not going to come back and play that deck most likely anyway. So even if there's something to point out, it doesn't mean anything because I'm not playing this deck tomorrow. 
or ever again. So yeah, it's okay. I'm already three decks down the road. You know what I mean? Like same thing. CGB, you know, J Villain, any of these people that are doing stuff, like they're not worried yeah, about the, it. That's the thing that cracks me up in the magic content creation space. Yeah, if people, if our goal is just to go all out and win, there's only about six decks we need to be fooled with. You, but you can't make a whole set's worth of content with six. I was telling you, you could, but you'll bore yourself to death. Yeah, well, I love anyone else watching. But yeah, it's just amazing to me, and that's what I was. When I talk to other people, I'm like, "Man, how often does happen?" And they're like, "Oh man, I get that a couple times a week," and they don't care. They literally, they're like, "Yeah, half the time they ignore the comments, they delete the comments, whatever." And for a lot of people, I wanted to be clear. This isn't about people being poor sports. This isn't about people being upset that somebody's pointing out they made a bad play or whatever. Because they don't really care about that. Like, we all expect we're going to make mistakes. Hell, there's decks I literally have thrown together and immediately just went to stream, recorded the footage, and used it for a video. So you're seeing the first time I've even played with some cards. So I know I'm not going to use them accurately. Because there's going to be game states that I'm not familiar with with those cards. But it's the fact of like, what are you even like? My my question a lot of times is, what's the outcome that you're expecting? Right. Let's say you point it out. Then what? Like nothing's going to change about the game footage you just watched that was recorded probably 48 hours or longer before. Like, I'm not any more. You're not endearing yourself to the creator more or not. Now, it's different when you're asking a for real question. Like the person that was like, hey, was there a reason you did this over this here? Because, you know, they can't figure out, don't understand. That's a legit question to ask. They're like, they may be trying to just be better at the game and they just didn't understand a line of play and they're just curious. Cool. Nothing wrong with asking. But the people that are definitive telling you you're wrong <laughs> and then they themselves are wrong. It's like. Now I've got to waste time to go and respond to you and do all this. And it's like, come on, man. What are, what are you trying to prove? So, yeah, engage with your content creators. But if your whole goal is just going around trying to point out people's mistakes or flaws or watch their streams to be like, you're missing lethal all the time or whatever. Then like, eh. now it is cool. Sometimes you do actually miss lethal and that's fine. I have to go like, ah, y'all are right. And that's happened before. I'm like, ah, oh, you're right. I wasn't even thinking I could have just killed this thing and then attacked. And that's cool. But yeah, just pointing it out on YouTube videos is like a weird thing. I don't know. We see it a lot. And it's just like, come on, people. But I thought it was a neat thing because it's something that actually applies to life. Let's try to be correct ourselves before correcting somebody else. Let's let's start there and try that and apply that to a few things. Okay, we got all the, the toxicity, the vitriol, whatever out of the system there. And so... We're going to roll in. No even sound effects today. I thought about doing something fun and different and whatever, but it would have just been like weird game sounds and popping corks or whatever going into the mailbag. So <laughs> I got a whole drum set set up over here. Now you tell me no sound effects. All right. Well, you should have told me in advance. We would have recorded it. We could have, but it's, it's a little late now. It's a little late. Yeah. But no, so we're going to start with some different questions from our discord and whatnot. And then uh, with time remaining, I think we'll, we'll go into some of the other questions. But uh, this first one actually comes from Cardsphere, our sponsor, actually. And this is a pretty good question. It says, if you could go back and talk to Daquan and Brian about to record the first episode of the show, what would you tell them? 
and what advice and or warnings would you give them? Wow, that is good. Yeah, um, I, I can start on this one. I think okay. for me, it would probably be figure out. Well, actually, I would probably say just don't over plan the engagement because I think I was over. I don't know. I think I just had a whole thing about how I'm going to have to constantly be vigilant on the different platforms and watch different things and, and certain things on the Patreon and this, that and the other and things just between our personal schedules or like just the way just things developed organically or whatever just didn't go the way I expected, and not in a bad way. I mean, everything's been mostly positive, but I think it was just like extra planning and thought and different things that really was wasted energy or didn't go a certain way. And I feel like I might've not met expectations a couple of times on some things. And some of that could have been avoided by just not overthinking over planning, you know, but otherwise I'm kind of happy mostly with the way things went. So I don't think I would change too much. I mean, maybe probably, uh, I don't know. I would say maybe open it up to non magic content sooner. Cause I don't think we really started kind of embracing that until maybe around like episode between 30 and 40. And I, there yeah, was, I could see that where it started to become kind of the norm, I guess. So like maybe just open it up sooner is from a content perspective. That's probably the only thing I would change, I think. But otherwise, yeah, I, I think uh, most of it's pretty good. We we did a lot of talking and planning anyway beforehand, and I feel like that set us up pretty well. So I don't know about you, Brian. Do you have any advice for our old selves? I mean, I definitely would tell myself to relax, but I think that applies to probably every show I do, and I know that I'm not, to some extent, actually going to do it until that particular episode or that particular show is over. But it's just... And I did once hear a country singer say, if you're not nervous before a show, it's time to quit. You're not doing it right if you're not getting nervous anymore. So there's that. Oh, I definitely funny. agree with you. I'll go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, I said it's funny you bring that up because I've had somebody tell me that before. And because I don't get nervous for a lot of things, I've actually stopped and been like, does this mean <laughs> I'm just not really engaged in a lot of this stuff? Like, do I do I not really want to do that? I started I, I really started questioning myself. You're just so naturally chill, though, and that is as as you as your stream intro says, you know, just chill, informative, and this is a rare <laughs> a rare thing in entertainment for somebody to have as much chill as you just naturally have. That's fair. I, I consider myself laid back, man. You know, I talked to you like, okay, you know, I, I thought I was laid back, you know, and, and chill. Man, it's it's Come weird on. because I've had people who thought I wasn't interested in a thing just because my <laughs> demeanor is so like even yep. literally been like, oh, I thought you really didn't like that. And I'm like, I told you I liked it. And they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> but sometimes people just say stuff or what. I'm like, no, when have I ever like, believe me, I talk. That's a thing I do. I know I do that right? quite well. So it's like, <laughs> but that happens more often than you believe. And I get it because. I mean, a lot of people just aren't open and honest about their opinions or whatever. So you kind of have to infer some things. So I get why. But it's just like, no, I always tell people, like, if something is good or bad, I will tell you. Like, if I like or don't like something, I will tell you. I won't be rude about it, but, you know, yeah. we can have a discussion about it or whatever. And there part should of it, be like, no I, guessing. 
I know that I watch too much sci-fi, so I'd be scared to break the timeline and do something where we, where we would end up failing. You know, the, the Doctor Strange line, if I tell you what's going to happen, then it won't happen. So I would just be probably too nervous to talk to myself, I would imagine. Dude, you know, that's a real thing, because I've honestly had that. Because a lot of people say, like, if I could go back, I would change this. Or if I could go back to even high school, I would redo this or whatever. And I've often thought about that and said, like, you know, I don't think I really want to. Because I can look at things today and know the type of person I turned out to be. Right. Or the things that have happened in my life or around me or whatever. But if I change any of those things, there's no guarantee that they're going to be for the better. Butterfly effect, man. Butterfly effect. Yeah. But I mean, you know, you you may not meet a certain person. You may not meet your significant other because you change a path to where your job takes yeah. you to a different spot. Exactly. You know? and when you or talk about things- whatever it is, right? There's so many things that could change. No, you're good. You don't know what you would break. I see. You just don't know what you would break. I mean, maybe I end up in the cancer night live, and then maybe I OD a cocaine when when I'm 23 years old. You you just don't know how it would turn out. For real, that could have happened back in the day. (laughs) And that happened, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is so many of my heroes at various forms of entertainment get hooked on the wrong thing or end up in the just do things they would have never done had they not had access to near. Robin Williams once said cocaine is God's way of telling you you make too much money. Dude, I'll tell you, you know what? Like, speaking of comedians, one of the ones that's been the hardest to see because it's been so public is the whole thing with John Mulaney. Yeah. Like, his whole thing between like, the alcohol and the drugs and like seeing the thing with his whole marriage and both. Like I, I feel bad for that dude because absolutely we don't talk enough about addiction and mental health and all these other things. And, you know, we've talked before that, you know, you know, better even than I do that there's already a lot going on with a lot of comedians as it is. Yeah. Right. Cause and all, then the, they have all our jokes on- come from things that weren't funny when they happened to us. Yeah. You got to take it and <laughs> You've never heard that comedian where, you know, hey, I love my entire family. And my childhood was incredible. That comedian's not funny. You know, you've never heard that comedy from pain. For real. For real. So seeing that, you know, is like the public saying, oh, we should do more for addiction and we should do more for, you know, mental health and all this. But then you're just like dragging this dude publicly. Right. Who's had to go to rehab and everything else. And then his relationship's falling apart. You know, and they're getting divorced, and then that's in the news, and people are, you know, trying to trash him or her or whatever. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> like, come on, y'all. It's not like he went and did all these awful things. He he got on some substances that, you know, became a bad situation. But, like, seeing that go down public, I'm just like, and that's an example. Right? What if he does one or two things differently? What does that do Till for his career? you've been on the road, y'all. You don't understand. And I haven't had half of the gigs or the dates that John Mulaney or any, you know, working everyday comedian has had. But just the, the times I'd be out of town and, and I missed a moment for one of my kids because I'm doing a murder mystery somewhere. And you just, you know, you don't get those back. Yeah, it's tough, man. 
and stuff. I know it's a little bit of a sidetrack. I know we've gone all off. But but I mean, I felt like, you know, for as much as I see people talk about trying to support people and, you know, mental health stuff and addiction crisis stuff. And and then to see how they're treating this dude, I'm like, and like, and I, and I honestly even look, cause I'm like, did this, did he do something? You know, cause I get it. Maybe you were on drugs or whatever, but then you did all these awful things, but like, it wasn't that. It's just people just making a deal out of it. And I felt pretty, yeah. pretty bad for him. The majority of what we've heard was John Mulaney hurting John Mulaney. So unless people yeah. know something other than what, what's been reported. But yeah, let's get into the next question. This comes from Thrax Muffin and our Discord. Says, and this is, I guess, another two-part question. What do you see as the biggest problem in magic right now? And in your opinion, what is magic's biggest strength? Uh, do you want to go first or me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that big, biggest problem. These are good. I definitely... Uh... I mean, you can go because I'm going to probably need a minute to, <laughs> to marinate. I'm, I'm, I'm back in the bus over you. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, biggest problem. If I was being honest, I, I think it's it's a it's a two part thing. For me, the first half is two parts. So I will say part one A is digital. I think the biggest problem they have is that historic does not have an entry level point for people to play. And I don't even think it needs to be like true entry level because I think you do want people to engage, especially on historic, I mean, on arena with standard first, which makes sense. Yeah. But there needs to be some type of entry point gateway, whatever, to historic to where it's at least reasonably achievable to build Eh, let's call it even a mid-tier deck. But right now, outside of playing a couple of decks, and it might be a literal couple, that are largely commons or a few rares, like you can't really build much without dropping a huge budget. I think there are ways to address that. If anybody from Wizards is listening to this, I have some ideas. Uh, Feel free to send me a DM on on (laughs) Twitter or whatever. I do free of charge. Might. Yeah, but I mean, no, I have I have a few things, but I think that's the biggest on on arena. Otherwise, you know, I think they're making money on it. It's fine. The other is that I think in a paper space, the it's more about the community. I think the players, for sadly, for being older. Because I think magic, for as much as people, I was arguing this with a with a I say arguing I because it got brought up in somebody else's stream last night that they were saying, oh well, you know, they're referring to magic as a children's card game, and I was like, it's not a children's card, it hasn't been a children's no. card game since nearly the beginning. I'm like, well, it says thirteen and up, so it's made for kids. I was like, I wasn't going to get into the discussion, but in reality, it's not made for kids. It's made for an adult audience but right. legally you have to have certain things on the packages so you can sell it in certain ways without having to have certain restrictions and things on it so you make it to where it's okay for a 13 year old kid to purchase it and buy it or in the uk or whatever in the eu i think it's 12 plus but 
you do that so you can market it, sell it, have it on the racks at Walmart, whatever, knowing that your target audience is actually going to be in the 25-year-old plus range. Yeah. The Dana Fishers of the world are <laughs> few and far yeah. between. Like, it's, it's like a lot of things. There's movies that are rated PG-13, but not really targeted at a teenager. Adults are going to go watch it. Yep. It's, it's the same thing. But that being said, we still have this thing where the community hasn't figured out that the majority of players are never going to be heard. And I don't mean that heard in the sense of like the company's never going to hear them. Because the reality is the company probably hears more of them than they hear of the vocal minority that post on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. But for some reason, the community still doesn't understand or hasn't embraced that. That if you or I have an opinion on Twitter, that doesn't represent the average player. And I think we were talking about this last week, how there are people that walk into stores that I could, I guarantee you, I can go down, I can put in a pre-order for Midnight Hunt, pick it up in a week or two. And I will walk in and on that day, there will be somebody that goes, oh, a new magic set's out. Like all the hype for the last month, <laughs> they will still not know that set is coming. Right. Right. Those people exist and there are a lot of them and they are the ones who buy the majority of magic. Right. You, you don't like look at the fact that a tournament player spends more money around the tournament than even at the tournament, much less on the game. Not saying that that person doesn't exist, not that person's not important, and you know their money on some level doesn't contribute because it does. But you have to understand that the average player will give more of their entertainment dollars to Wizards than that competitive player. Like that's just the way it is. I don't. There's no other way to explain it. It just is that way. The average player doesn't care about getting max value <laughs> on a purchase, right? They're, they're building a sweet dinosaur deck or a sweet unicorn deck or whatever, and they just want the cards. They don't give a damn. They want the ma they don't that they want the deck box, the sleeves, the whatever, all that match. Right? You know, I'm the average player. I think it's I can't always do that. But that's what I'm saying, right? That's that's the people that help keep the whole gaming and magic economy going, right? Those are the people. Yeah. That's the average person. I, and, and it's tough that for as much as we do have older people, very smart people in the magic community, they still have a hard time understanding that. When I tell yeah. them, I was like, cool, then go pull, go ask 20 game store owners this question and see what response you get. Because I already know what the answer is going to be. I've literally been there, done that, run groups, sponsored things, ran events, been on committees, <laughs> like you name it. Right? You got guns, the coin got straps. I'm sorry, yeah, basically. Me, Dr. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's just the way it is, right? And for some reason, our community still doesn't understand that. And it's not, our, and it's not to say that those opinions don't matter. Those things that come up, like they do, but. We saw the hip hypocrisy last week, two weeks ago, when they showed the the new secret layers, right? And people were like, 
Ah, Fortnite. Ah, that's it. I'm selling all my crap. That's the end. Wizards is just in it for the money. Blah, 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 whatever. But then immediately we're like, ah, Street Fighter's kind of sweet, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's the thing, the game we engaged with when we were our kids' age. The irony here, as I mentioned before, I love Fortnite. My kids hate it. So it's total role reversal in my house. Yes, but again... I recently discovered there were even multiple series of Fortnite trading cards. So somebody is going to want these. Right? And Wizards wouldn't have done it if they didn't already have discussions, they didn't already poll people, they didn't already do focus groups, if they didn't already talk with the people at Fortnite to understand their like target demographics, blah, blah. They would, they would have all that stuff. They've already done all that. So they know they're going to make some money on this. And you know what? Some number of people will engage with our community because those exist. And that's okay. That's what you should want. And and don't get me wrong. Does it suck that things are changing and things are not exactly the same as it was when you and I started back in 95 playing the game or whatever? Like, for some people, yeah. But we also have to understand that they can't just keep catering to just us. I mean, at some point, they're going to get less and less of our money anyway. Because like you're saying, right, you've got kids at the house and school projects you're spending money on and everything else, right? At some point, less of that is going to go to gaming. Yeah. At some point, like, and Magic is one of the few games where they, they where they're able to say this, the majority of us won't be here. We Magic will outlive us. <laughs> at, at this rate, that might be true. <laughs> for real uh, unless something catastrophic happens why would you they're gonna be playing again you know the world comes to an end we'll we be playing magic yeah. probably 40 50 years from now i can absolutely see that so yeah i would say in paper that's the biggest issue it's just that the community just doesn't get the hell i had another discussion last week on twitter where you know i somebody i i think it was philippa carolla had posted like oh they're gonna do this flesh and blood tournament this week and i hope wizards follows their example and i was like no chance not gonna happen (laughs) like literally just straight up not gonna happen like they're gonna look at it and they're gonna follow it as an example we know wizards particularly was watching our event that we did what a month ago right we know that and they're smart they're watching things seeing what procedures and and protections people take seeing how people respond to it seeing how many people get sick that went to these events right they're doing their homework because again wizards has an international product they are also in a situation that if because Wizards is in a no-win situation. Right? If if I if I have a small problem with Wizards, I think it's that they over-communicate. Truthfully. And I know people hate hearing that, but I think it's true. Because there's so many well, yes, things. Many of their guys have gotten themselves in trouble. So we can confirm. But, but my problem is, let's say Wizards decide tomorrow. They announce, hey, we're gonna do this for tournaments next year in paper. And it's going to qualify you. You'll still be able to get points to qualify for a world championship or whatever. But currently, we're not going to do tournaments in Australia, Italy, I don't know, India, and somewhere else that they're they're still on lockdown or whatever, right? Well, immediately, everybody's going to be upset. Because, like, well, what do players do from that country? Then nobody from Worlds is going to be representing from here and blah, blah, blah. And how many points do they need versus how many, right? That's a whole different thing. So it's like, why even go down that road if you know no matter what you do is just going to reflect in a bunch of people being mad? And you're putting a bunch of pressure on your social media managers and everything else from players, 
who are spending the least amount of money on your product as a whole. Like, sucks, but it's true. <laughs> the competitive players spend the least amount of money. I mean... That, that still blows my mind. Is what it is. But I told you, because think yeah, about it. Yeah, it makes sense, because they don't have to complete the set. They are not. They know that they don't need most of those cards. Exactly, so but I, think about this. Yeah. Like You know as I do, right? You've traveled to a bunch of tournaments with people. A bunch of those people don't even own all their cards. Yeah, They've had to trade or pick up stuff last minute or whatever from somebody. Right? Then they spent money on gas, sometimes hotel or plane tickets, you know, entry fees to some venue or whatever, possibly, or a convention where the tournament's at. That's all money that went somewhere else other than going to a retailer selling the product or to Wizards directly. Yeah. But the average player, if they're spending the same amount of money, they're not paying for gas, hotel, food on a trip entry fees or whatever right they're going i just need a box of cards <laughs> yeah. that's the difference so anyway yeah that's the problem i think the community we just got to get more aware of just kind of how the grand picture works on things i think more than anything else to me that's the biggest i, I guess for me and i'm gonna say i know this isn't you know probably even close to the biggest problem the thing that, that i miss most is the lore i just feel like there, there's i at the end of every set, I have so many questions, not about how the cards work, but about things the characters did or that I'm thinking they did because we, we just don't seem like we get nearly as much lore as what we used to. And there, which obviously there's a TV show in the works. And this is the thing they appear to be working on. So I may be a lot happier about that in, I don't know, two, three years. But I mean, I would, I definitely have the same vision and I feel like somebody at Wizards has where, man, this could be the Marvel Cinematic Universe if it is handled properly. There could be comic books, a Netflix show. There could be a CW show, you know, about teenagers and all of a sudden learn they can tear the multiverse in half. And there's love triangles involved, too. Like Young Chandra and Nyssa on the road. How much fun would that be? Again, yeah, my DMs are open if anybody wants to discuss <laughs> story ideas or what have you. But I know that's not probably even close to the biggest. That's the thing that I miss the most, I would say, though, because I love comic books and TV shows and sci-fi and fantasy movies and things. You know what's funny? I think on some level, some of those things sort of came about from Wizards catering to the players for too long that were the vocal minority. Because a lot of those players don't care about story. You know, a lot of those players didn't want D&D in their magic or magic in their D&D. You know, that was a thing for years. To me. Yeah, but it was a thing for several years. Right. And at some point, Wizards got smart and kind of went, why haven't we done all these other things? But from my prolonged exposure to nerds, I get it. We are so territorial about our one of my favorite stories. And you're going to have to pardon the language. You're one of my favorite stories from a comic convention was a group of card players heard uh, heard some people that play miniatures talking. And it, again, easy to, to confuse which gang you're talking about. Oh, so are you guys card floppers? One of the miniature players turns to them and says, with disdain in their voice, no, we're not that gay. 
Yeah. Like, this is how we treat each other <laughs> a lot of times as nerds. But, you know, I think it's even more than that. I, mean, I think there was a lot of times where I think they went, okay, well, we're not going to make statues, watches, backpacks, whatever, because that's not really what our players want, right? That's not what they would be interested in. Like, that gives off the wrong vibe or whatever. But then they started realizing, like, no, people do want some of that crap. Like, I'm still, like, why we don't have area rug mana symbols. I should be able to put one of those in my living room that's just a green mana symbol and put my damn coffee table <laughs> on it. Like, that should be a thing. Like, you sell those I'll all day. I'll put one here under my desk. That's the only place it's going to be allowed. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying you can sell those all day, seventy nine ninety nine. People buy the crap out of them. Right. But for some reason, they didn't exist for years. And they probably won't for another couple of years. But like, as the market changes and as your customer base changes, you start realizing, okay, well, now people have grown up with their nerd things being on everything. So as they get into magic, it's like, oh, well, I already own this Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh thing that maybe it's a watch or a lamp or whatever, and it's broken. Well, let me replace it with a magic thing now, because that's what I'm into. You know, or you get away from the game a little bit, but you still like magic. Maybe you still have your favorite cards. You like some of the lore. It's like, well, let me get, you know, some little magic chibi statues to put up on my computer desk at work. You know what I mean? Like before we started this, I absolutely had been on a span where I wasn't playing nearly as much magic. And then when you talk to me about this, like, oh God, well, I better get caught up and go learn what these kids are are doing with their magic cards these days. So yeah, yeah, I would I would be somebody that but I would I've never thrown anything away. I've never gotten rid of a bag that or or a prize or anything. So I knew I was always coming back. I didn't necessarily know when, or certainly didn't know how. 100 episodes later, here we are. Yeah. Now, I would say for the biggest strength, I think it's always just been that the game was one of those rare opportunities where it was just lightning in a bottle. You got some basic rules that you can build around every which way. And you can keep making cards and you keep making different formats and different ways to play and cool ancillary items. And the other reality is the product itself we haven't even, I mean, literally, you know, it's it's cliche, but we haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg on how you can even market it. I mean, just like we're talking about, it, we still got area rugs. Actually, you know what else? This is a true story. I'm going to talk about this because I don't know if they're ever going to be made or not, but I don't really care. When when I was one of the things I pitched was doing car air fresheners as mana symbols. What? So you could do, and you could do the black one as licorice, the blue one as like that ocean breeze, the green one as pine, you know, like it's basically what I was doing. And I was like into it. And I actually got close. We almost had them at one point. Oh, man. <laughs> we, we almost, I actually got close to pricing them up and stuff, but we ended up having budget going to other things. So we didn't get a chance. Bruh, to make we need to figure out how that, that's merch we should have. Oh, yeah. But that was my thing, though. Like, there's so many things you can still market that are useful that people want or would use almost as a way to say, like, hey, here's a useful thing I want. That I will use and people will see and they know I play magic or have played magic or I'm a fan of it without me having to be at a game table, at a convention, at a game store, whatever. Right. And you can engage people because there's a lot of people that like having things they're fans of that they can show off. And even stuff like that is so simple. 
So I think there's a whole market of things that they haven't even touched. And I would not be surprised if over the next three to five years, you don't see some more of that stuff. Because you're starting to see, I saw like some some watches that had magic mana symbols and stuff that were being promoted like six or eight months ago, right? You're starting to see more clothes. I saw that they had like the different, uh, what do you call them, like yoga pants that had different artwork and stuff on them. Like that was a thing. So they're starting to dip their toe in that space. And I think it's good. I think there's a lot of marketing there to be done still. So I would say that's probably one of the, at least as a company, that's probably their biggest strength is they still have a long way to go. And the the runway is clear, you know, for you to be able to make a bunch of money there. I think definitely for me, the biggest, as I already mentioned, I see this game lasting, you know, another 40 or 50 years with no problems. That's and as somebody that came to you from multiple dead games, right, invested thousands of my dollars, I, I just wanted to play something that wasn't going to vanish in three years. <laughs> Never envisioned being any kind of magic content creator, which is, and here you are. Me, it is <laughs> the best thing is that hey, it, it lasted long enough. For, I, I'd have done a versus podcast had it lasted that long. I, said, I could do one again now that it's back. <laughs> Yeah, but I, 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 I'm scared at this point. <laughs> just once you've died up your own time. I feel you, man. I feel you. There, there, I could. Do, I mean, maybe we need to do a show just about that, about just dead games at some point. Right. But yeah. So another question from friendly local in our Patreon Discord: The two of you are suddenly appointed to the Federal Reserve. Oh boy! And given the task of choosing faces wow. for all U.S. money. Who do you put on oh, each dear. bill? Uh, I love how they assume that I know all the denominations. How many denominations do you? I'm not going to say all. Oh, let's let's do let's do one the one five ten twenty and a hundred. I mean, there's a fifty in there, but we'll we'll you know people don't really use fifties that often, so we'll do one five ten twenty and a hundred. I think that's fair. Okay. Who would I put on? It's kind of interesting, right? When you go back and talk about from a historical perspective and the things we've learned about all the different presidents and whatever. Yeah. First off, you know what? I think realistically, Benjamin Franklin should probably be on the one dollar bill. I don't like I know he's on the hundred, but there's a lot of people that don't get that many hundreds or don't see him that often. And like I I feel like so much he contributed to. Well, him and over the years, I guess we learned stuff about Nikolai Tesla, too. Yeah. But either, Ooh, of, gonna... either of them being on the one, I think, is would, wouldn't be bad. Tesla would definitely be one of my choices also. And I feel like, you know, I sure. Don't know, Tesla wasn't really American, though, right? So maybe that's a problem. Maybe they have to all be I, Americans. I don't think it has to. I don't think it has to limit it to Americans. I mean, I feel like maybe he's... maybe I'll stick with Benjamin Franklin so I can keep him American. I don't know. That's going to be my personal rule since it's American money. I mean, I mean, I, did Tesla not become an American citizen at some point? Surely he did. Oh, I have no idea. I don't know. I, yeah, I have no idea either. But I know he certainly lived and worked here. That's true. He did. He did. So I have no problem. That's one of the that, that'd be my rule that we would certainly do away with is you don't have to be don't have to be an American politician or president. Certainly. If you, if you put in work here, you know, that's fair. That's fair. 
if you spent the majority of your life here and most of your colleges, you were famous because <laughs> you did these things in America. Oh, uh, let me see. Yeah. For the $5 bill. I mean, it's it probably still needs to be. I mean, some some number of these probably still need to be presidents because if it would probably feel weird to not have any of your leadership figures not be on well, money. I, I think you also need to have some businessmen, though, because, yeah, certainly. Yeah, certainly the founding father started it. But the businessmen are the reason we're still here, if we're honest about it. That is totally fair. Totally fair. Henry Ford is. I guess I would throw Henry Ford out there. Part of the reason we still have a country. Yeah, like that's another thing too. Like we have a lot of bad history. Like a bunch of people we glorified and put on money, and put on pedestals in general. We ended up finding some bad things out about a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I, I have read that he apparently was racist. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm I, even now, names that are popping up, I'm like, ah, that's not a good one either. Nah, that's not a good I'm one either. You, I've done all the research, but I feel like you do need to have some business people. On yeah, there. I don't I don't even know. We're talking man. about money here. You know, so you, like, oh, gosh. Like, do we... Like put Obama on the five for being the first black president at this point. If we're getting I think to just certainly start Obama fresh, should be in there somewhere. I, I guess that's fair because don't get me wrong. I don't necessarily agree with all of his politics all the time, but like you know, historical perspective. Sure, there's, there's nobody that's probably yeah. ever held the office where I would agree with all of that, unless you know you were to elect me president. No, please don't. <laughs> but sure, there's nobody else I'd agree. I don't even agree with myself 100 percent of the time. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, about it. I'm good with that. Uh, okay, so I'll put Obama on the five. I think I can be talked into that pretty easy. Yeah. I have no clue who I'd put on a ten dollar bill. Twenty slam dunk. We were already supposed to have old Harry and Tubman on on the twenty. Yeah. So, but for real though. We got to find a happier picture of old Miss Tubman. Yeah. Because Miss Tubman, she ain't she ain't got any happy. She, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like she had a happy life and dealt with some nice no, things. Certainly, but surely she was smiling somewhere in the picture. That's what I'm saying. We, even, even if we got to just like superimpose it a little bit. And, I, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, women need to smile or whatever. But I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, we know she does like she she looks mean and gruff. In a lot of her pictures. But, I mean, she, you know, slavery and all. I get it. But, yeah, I don't know who I'd put on a $10 bill. (laughs) Like, awkward pause. Slavery. I get it. I mean, for real. Hey, if we just want to put Mad Tubman on a 20, I ain't going to hate you for it. Yeah. Like, I'd rather be on than not. And, really, that was such a big part of American history, whether, you know, some people want to acknowledge it or not. Right? That it should be represented and people should be aware and reminded that it was a thing. How is is MLK not on something? Yeah, that's another good one. Actually, I'd I'd put MLK on a five over Obama. If somebody wanted to make that argument. We can find a denomination for both MLK and Obama. We could put MLK on the 50. I was going to leave it off, but he can be on the 50. But yeah, I don't know. There's, I don't. He certainly should have been president. We just, we weren't ready. Well, sure. <laughs> I think there's a lot of problem though when you're talking about picking what are effectively historical figures and celebrities to be on money or be on anything, honestly. Because as we found out, you know, whether posthumously or not, 
we learn a lot of things about a lot of these people. And then you're just like, ah, do we really want that person representing me? Do I really want that person on something in front of me every day? You know, so I wouldn't be opposed to having, I don't know, symbols or monuments or whatever be on there than actual people, truthfully. That feels so much safer to me, honestly. Like with like the Statue of Liberty? Or yeah, like Statue of Liberty, fictional. the bald eagles, you know, like it, stuff like that would probably, you know, the White House, you know, whatever. That's probably safer than trying to figure out who are we going to put on this money that we're going to be okay with still being on here in, in 20 years. Because I feel like we just keep finding out stuff about so many people that – whether we covered it up for one reason or another, or somebody just found out a fact because they were on Ancestry.com one day or something or whatever. <laughs> like, we're finding out a lot of stuff about a lot of folks. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's some figures we could think highly of, at least for me. There's something I could think highly of to put on there. But I don't know if I'm totally comfortable putting people on money necessarily. I, I am. And I, again, would like a bigger cross section because America isn't just, you know, the, the powerful and rich country it is because of politics. Certainly that's a part of it. I would love to see, you know, some iconic entertainers on there. Some, again, some businessmen, even yeah. some athletes, because all of these people are part of the American fabric. Yeah. I'd be good with that. I, I don't think it necessarily has to be political figures or political leaders. I mean, I could have I'd be cool Flo we, on some money. You know, yeah, that's so. what I'm saying. If we had somebody like that, if we had a, uh, I don't know, a Robin Williams on a bill, I'd be fine with that. You know, you I think, know, I would obviously support that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think there, if we went that way, I think we could find some people that are iconic in American history. You know, for various reasons that we could put on there, and I'm okay with that. Just general populace telling the pieces of the tapestry of the u.s like yeah i i think that way i'd feel a lot better even athletes though there's some like we were just talking about this a little bit um actually i don't know that might have got covered on the patreon episode that went out today but like ken griffey jr he's probably one of the publicly cleanest you know, athletes we've had probably ever. Like, so like if he ended up on a bill, I'd be like, yeah, all right. <laughs> but if you came yeah. and you're like, we want to put Michael Jordan on the 20, I'd be like, Ooh, <laughs> like, I, like, I don't know. He would, he would fit both the athlete and businessman categories. Yeah. But we also know he has, we already know that the problem with Jordan is there's already things I know we know. I have no doubt as the years go by and he gets older passes, I think we're going to learn a lot more stuff. I, to, to me, I, I think Jordan should be on money because Michael Jordan is petty as hell. Let's be perfectly honest. America is both rich and petty as hell. It would be there, pretty sweet. There is nothing more American than Michael Jordan. If it would we be just sweet get to replicate to the crying Jordan and pat your eyes with $20 Michael Jordans. I mean, like, I'd, I'd be on board with that. Like that'd be okay. <sighs> but yeah, that's a tough one. I, I I don't know. Like I said, if we open it up entirely, I think there's other things, other people, uh, especially when you get into entertainers, because then you get into these lines of like, do you put an Elvis on a bill? You know what I mean? Like, maybe. I mean, I think there's arguments, discussion to be had. It 
we, we have two faces, you know, we could put Elvis on one side and we could put, you know, the multiple black musicians that he cribbed from on yeah, the other side. So, I mean, let's, I, I think we, I, I feel like I would need more criteria. It's like, how many boxes are we trying to check? Is there a male female ratio we're looking for? Is there a thing? Because I think there's a lot to consider because again, I feel like this is a big thing where like, how also how publicly clean are these people already are we willing to go like okay we know some of these things are questionable we're sucking it up because this person was this important because i mean even, even mlk we found out after the fact that he oh, yeah. the dude had a mistress <laughs> you know what i mean if, if we're if that's taking you off of money we're gonna have to refit all these bills that's what i'm saying so like if we're already redoing them like that's we gotta have we gotta have some rules like we may have to turn this into its own podcast because like this is this is for real. Like I I'm sitting here thinking like, man, I don't know. Like we know so much about so many people. They're like, how, how clean publicly clean does this person need to be? And even the people that had mistresses, we don't to some extent know who had a mistress and who just had an open marriage, but they didn't have a term for it back in the 1800s. Oh, for real. (laughs) Though, I mean, apparently MLK's mistress, she was, she was down. Cause like she held on to that. (laughs) <laughs> for a while <laughs> so oh, i'm seeing all all, all all the hate mail <laughs> i'm just saying i'm just saying it's true though i'm not making anything up this is oh, fact. No, no i've i've yeah i've heard i mean the people FBI can be mad the fbi had tapes you know and apparently yeah. sent them to coretta because j edgar hoover was also petty as hell yep <laughs> See, I don't get question. <laughs> I love how one question takes us. And apparently, our audience loves it too. We, we end up. Hey, I'm just saying, it's a good question. But like I said, I think yeah, if is. we set if we set some harder rules, I think I could pick something. But I think right now it's just almost okay. too wide open for me to really settle on something. Uh, this one came up in the Discord, and I, and I gave an answer to this, but I'll, I'll give it on the show as well. But. This is from uh, Ceaseless uh, Ceaseless One, I believe it is. Uh, Ceaseless Rose, sorry. From our Patreon Discord says, how do you and Brian stay positive and lose gracefully? So I will kind of give a shortened version of the answer I gave in in the Discord. But the thing to realize for me has always been, one don't put too much importance or I don't know. Yeah. Just don't put too much importance into a thing when there's no real stakes, right? To watch somebody blow up over a thing, say on any game where we're talking just, you know, TFT, call of duty, magic, whatever, where you're not playing for anything has always been amazing to me. Cause you're especially hell. You're even playing an unranked game. So there's not even like the imaginary importance into it there's literally nothing right so it's kind of weird to be to put that much into it the other is understand that every single game or competition you go into barring freak situations where there's a draw generally speaking there's a winner and there's a loser and you know you're not going to win all of them so reacting in a way that's so overly negative that it carries with you and eats you up is kind of silly, really, when you think about it, 
because that means you're believing you're going to win every single time. When we know that's not a realistic outcome. Then the other is, you know, and don't get me wrong, like all people, I'm human. Even I get frustrated at things because, you know, you don't draw your land for the third game in a row or whatever. You either for me, it's either just disconnect and go do something else. Like just distract yourself, go do something else you enjoy, whatever. Or just take time to not do anything at all. Just let yourself unwind. Take a couple of deep breaths, go grab a glass of water, reset mentally, then tackle it again. Somebody on Overwatch told me if you drop two in a row, take a break. And I've tried to keep that really in almost every game I play. That just seemed like, yeah, if you lost two in a row, go ahead, just step back. Yeah, and the other thing is, too, except for in the time where your opponents do just outplay you, which happens. Yeah. I mean, I've had games where I thought I was going to win, and I just watch my opponent make good play after good play, and I'm like, gosh, damn. You know, right? Like, he's like, you got me. Right? There's some times where it's like, yeah, don't be mad at my opponent if I just didn't top deck what I needed four turns in a row. Right? Right? If... You know, the other night in Teamfight Tactics, like there, there's a thing set up to where you can get nine, effectively over the course of the game, nine copies of a character to get a gold character. I had multiple games, even on stream, where I had either seven or eight copies of a character sitting there. Never oh. saw a ninth one for, I don't know, half the game. While I'm looking at other opponents that have like gold level characters in the game. And I'm just like, I, I don't know what you do when this happens, you know, like. It's frustrating and a little bit demoralizing, but like I'm not going to be mad at my opponents. It's not their fault. Just the RNG just didn't work out, and the things I needed didn't show up. Those yeah. those are frustrating when just you know you you got you you win unless something that only has stand the ten percent chance of happening happens, and then lo and behold. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was probably even less than that. It was probably like a five, three to five percent yeah. chance. Yeah, you, know? when you got like, eight, and you need nine. Yeah, and it happened, and for half the game, I mean, literally just sitting there taking up space on my bench, where I'm like, God, Was anybody need else even going for the thing? No, that's that's going? the thing. Because see, when somebody else has them, I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. I see why I didn't get yeah. any. But I'm the only player. Nobody else is even using this character, and I'm like, that's wild. They just none showed up. Just none showed up. And so, I would yeah. say for me, you know, because like, and I'm sure you would agree with this too, Dequan. Like, if if I get good content out of it, then I've gotten the result I want. And sometimes Ooh. games you lose are really more entertaining than the games where where everything went perfectly. Especially yeah. like the situation you describe, where there's something that only a ten percent chance of that. Ha- I had a game of Madden the other day where this, the score within, even by, you know, crazy Madden 22 standards, we had, I think, three lead changes in about 15 seconds. That's it exciting. was like my, my opponent scored a touchdown. I came back on the next play, scored an almost 90-yard touchdown. We're both, at this point, we have each thought – we were going to walk off the winner within seven seconds. Then, before I even get a chance to pat myself on the back, he brings the ensuing kickoff back and wins. Yeah, that's tough. 
That's I, tough. I lost, but that was the most exciting thing that happened all day. Yeah, I could totally see that. I could totally I would, see that. I mean, I, I was mad I was in that loss, but I couldn't even be mad at how much fun I just had over the, again, 15 seconds. Yeah, I think that's brings up another point, too. A lot of times, I'm not focused on the loss as much as I'm focused on what can I take away from the loss, right? Like, did I make a bad play? Did my opponent make a good play? Was there a way I could have sequenced stuff so I could have survived two more turns with these bad draws? You know, stuff like that. So by the time I'm kind of done processing that, I also am kind of past the loss already. I've already put time into other things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like a it's like a personal distraction of sorts. So yeah, that that makes sense to me. And so, when yeah. you play uh, when you play a game seven or eight hours a day, you you can forget about it real fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just know you can queue up again and get another game in there. All right. So our next question. This comes from MTG Strategist. In the future, if you decided to add a third creator to your podcast, who would it be? I don't know. Do you have a wish list? Definitely. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have a wish list as much as I would want it to be somebody different than me and Brian. Yeah. Being either a woman, a transgender person, somebody from maybe a Hispanic or Asian background, uh, just somebody that's bringing a different perspective to some of the conversations, you know, because there's been times where we said, Hey, we're dealing with this issue where it yeah, involves neither one of us are qualified to speak. Of, we? Yeah. Where it involves, you know, something happening against women maybe. And, you know, we have to preface it as like, Hey, we can only talk about it this much from this perspective. I'm sorry. We'd like to give it more time, but like, it's not a space where our opinion matters or whatever, or that yeah. we can speak to it from, from a perspective of experience. Right. So for me, that would probably be my choice. Just somebody who's able to bring something different uh, perspective wise to the table, which means they'd probably have to have probably physical and background differences to us. Probably. Ellie of the veil would be the first person I would probably think of that for me kicks off all those yeah. boxes. That that was one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, and Ellie's definitely, you know, outspoken, Puerto Rican woman, you know, definitely checks a lot of those boxes. So, yeah, I don't think I have a particular wish list, but she would definitely be somebody I would consider if we brought a third person on. You know, and again, I think it's just because it adds to the show. It brings more variety. And I get it. You know, when you see these different shows, we're like, you know, they, people look and go like, ah, they had to add a woman or blah, they had to add a black guy or they had to do whatever. But like, there's a reason. Right. <laughs> you want to bring in, that is what our show is about, is different perspectives that people have in gaming. Yeah, I mean, I get it. If you're just doing a frat boy show or something or whatever, you know, uh, what is it? The impulsive podcast, you know, yeah. Paul, uh, Logan Paul's thing or whatever. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's a bunch of like surfer dude, white guys or whatever. Fine. Like that's that's what they're doing. They're just being silly, having a good time, doing their thing, whatever. It doesn't matter. I listened to the Jim Cornette podcast. And yeah, that is super 
testosterone laced is old man yells at cloud. You know? <laughs> yeah. And you and you know what you're getting into, right? That doesn't necessarily yeah. benefit him to have a woman or different perspectives, or whatever on there. That's not what it is. But when you're doing something, even though we're talking a lot about gaming, we do involve a lot of social commentary type stuff. Yeah. It pays to have different perspectives. I mean, I would argue the reason a lot of people listen to our show is because we are bringing a different perspective than even other yeah. shows have, right? As we so, said, you know, a thousand times, we didn't want to do the same podcast everybody was doing. There's there were, I'm sure no less than a thousand podcasts talking about what cards you should put in your deck. We didn't see a need to do another one. Yeah. Uh, all right. So another question we got here is, since you're at 100 episodes, will you start over at zero zero with your sports figure numbers and choose different athletes? As funny as it is, we didn't even start doing the athletes thing till we were like in the 70s, I think. I yeah, like. we didn't. That, that wasn't a, that wasn't a day one thing. Yeah, it just and it wasn't anything we planned. We just did it once, and then we just kind of kept doing it. Yeah, I don't remember why we did it. I think it was just convenient. Like some athlete was in the news or something that day that had the right number and it just sort of made sense. Just uh, it was just kind of to, to have a segue into whatever the next thing yeah. was. Really. So, and it just sort of became a thing. Though. I did pick something zero. for number 100. Oh, you're you're breaking up kind of. Can you, can you hear me? Yeah, absolutely can hear you. Okay, so, you were breaking up on my end. We did have a, there is a double zero and people, I think have forgotten about this dude, but I'm pretty sure Gilbert Arenas was zero zero. <laughs> you, uh, you, if, if you follow both NBA and, you know, the NBA arrest blogs, you hadn't forgot about guns up. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. But uh, no, I don't think it's something we're going to continue doing. Uh, if I there actually was, was, I had a plan. Mm -hmm. Since we okay. discussed it a little bit, <laughs> I'm going to start doing just kind of, I guess, issues, episodes. For example, for 100, I had issue 100 of uh, the X-Men. I believe that the title is, uh, God, now anyway, in that issue, I forgot the title, but Jean Grey dies. I'm not sure it's the first time she dies. And it, and it doesn't even last the issue because she's reborn in issue 101 as Phoenix, which would eventually lead to the Dark Phoenix saga. And also in that one uh, is the first time Wolverine and Colossus perform the fastball special. Well, there you go. So maybe comic book episodes are the thing we do or issues. Or something or we, do. we can do TV episodes, too, because most good TV shows go for at least 100 episodes. Man, I got we we could always do Law and Order because that thing ain't going nowhere. Man, yeah, Law and <laughs> Order will Law and Order go outlive us all. I love that Law and Order has been on so long. There's been so many. There, Law and Order has had more spinoffs canceled than people have had shows in their career. Right, like that show is is old, man. I I don't know if I ever said it on the show, but I do remember one day I was, and I don't watch Law and Order religiously or anything but occasionally i'll make once every few months i'll catch an episode or something and i'm looking at it and i had the realization that the show has been on so long people got promoted in real time right 
Like I looked at him, I'm like, wait, wasn't he like one of the lower cops at one point? Whatever. And like now he's like one of the dude. Oh, wow. And I'm like, this dude had like a for real 10 year career yeah. in television. Well, in the one show. of them gonna become president or mayor of New York or something at yeah. some point at the rate they're going. I was like, that's so wild though. Like that a show was on I like imagine having your job so long that your fake job has the real life progression of a real job. <laughs> like that's gotta be so weird. Most shows don't even get to think about doing anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Most shows have to do the opposite thing where you have a kid and two seasons later, that kid is full grown. <laughs> yeah, that stuff has happened more than once. Because you know you ain't going to be on TV, but for more than five or six years, if but you're lucky. I have to say this, when I do click on SVU or see it pop up, there's something oddly comforting when you're like, oh, this yeah. person's finally graying up a little bit. Yeah, because you know, like, they've been on on the show for like fifteen years, right? You're like, oh, so and so's finally getting their grays in. That's cool. Or like, oh, this person's getting a little heavier. Eh, age is setting in a little bit. I get it. Or somebody's balding or whatever, and you're like, cool, right? <laughs> That's such a and weird. We were thing. talking to yeah. I was gonna say on the pre. I think it was on the pre-show. We were talking about John Mulaney, or was that? Uh, I'm getting mm-hmm. my <laughs> no. It's on <laughs> this show. Pre-show? Okay, we, we we talk a lot, y'all. And then we talk before we talk about this. So, yeah, I mean, forget what we said when. But John Mulaney has a great bit talking about Ice T's character and how. Oh, yeah. His character doesn't understand. They use Ice T's exposition. Like, his cop, he doesn't understand things any police officer should understand. So, coming soon, the whole episode or whole spinoff, it's just the other cops explaining things to Sergeant Tutuola or whatever his rank <laughs> is now. He could be mayor in New York at this point. But yeah, that's that's a crazy situation to have with the show. But yeah, we won't use SVU episodes because unless unless yeah, coincidentally well, something happened on the episode that relates to what we're talking about, then we might actually, actually use it. They <laughs> did do an episode about Gamergate. See, there you go. So we might we might at and some I point mean, they, use that. Episode. We got on there, you know, a bunch of people that I write video game stories with. We kind of all just how bad is this going to be? And it did not disappoint. Yeah, I figured. Worst, worst quote of the episode, one of the gamer gators, of course, murders somebody because it's law and order. And Noel, again, Ice-T looks at the camera, deadpan, and says, I guess they just leveled up. Well, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we knew, I guess they were trying to be like, you know, a CSI Miami with the, the glasses. Yeah, that's rough, though. That's a rough one. But yeah, I don't know. We may still do something with the numbered episodes. It probably just won't be athletes anymore. Yeah. <laughs> We've run out of, uh, unless it's like somebody said, to start over at double zero. Uh, let's see. What other questions do we have? I think we have one more. So it says, okay. uh, what are successful ways you've seen new players get engaged in games and events? We've been trying to foster a weekly cube draft at our LGS and would love to grow the group and format in general at the shop. Boy, you're not going to like my answer. <laughs> I was going to say, this is one you're going to have far more experience in than me, but by all means. Um, I just wouldn't get people to start out cube drafting. Like, in my experience, booster drafting of any kind is not the way to teach people how to play Magic. 
partly because as humans, we're already built to fear ridicule, to fear embarrassment. A lot of people already aren't sure of themselves going into new projects or new hobbies or adventures. So putting them in a thing where you're forcing them to learn new things on the spot, then also have to go through the deck construction and then play other people, they're probably just not going to have a great time. And it's tough because I see a lot of people try to use either Commander, which Commander I think is bad because there's just way too much to keep track of, too many keywords, too many game states. Does it work for a handful of people? Absolutely. But I've seen more people walk away from playing Commander and Drafts because they walk away with such a negative experience or it feels like too much pressure or they feel dumb. I've had a lot of people say like, yeah, I'm just not smart enough to play this. And it's not that they're not smart enough. It's just we never gave them the tools to go into the thing they're trying to do properly. Because the concept of like, well, draft, everybody is even, and you're starting on the same playing field and whatever. It's just, I mean, pardon my French, but it's just bullshit. Yeah. Right? A better player knows these cards work better together. This isn't worth pursuing in the draft. They can read signals from the booster pack coming to them, whatever. Like, there's a whole separate skill that the good players are going to have that the bad players are not. And they're going to draft a bunch of cards that don't necessarily work together. They might just have the same color. They might have passed up five or six cards that make their deck well, you know, but they don't know. So I always recommend some type of starter product, which they do have actual starter decks, or making just two very simple decks and keeping those around to play with the people. And then, if especially if there's mostly commons, uncommons, whatever, just let them have the deck. So when they play somebody else, they already have cards they're comfortable with. Cards that they understand, that they've learned. They slowly learn the interactions. But like to just say, like, okay, here's the basics to magic. All right, now we're going to go draft, and we're going to play cube with all these cool cards and do these things. And that's a lot to take in. I mean, I'll tell you this. The way we were teaching people... The last big demo thing we did for Magic when I was at Wizard, we were at uh, PAX East in, oh, when would this have been? Uh, 2018, I think. And actually, might have been 2017. But either way, we basically had a big desk set up, almost like a standing, almost like a blackjack dealer table. If, if that makes sense, where you have like a center spot for like a dealer and then you have like a bunch of spots around it, right? Something like that. And then I would do literally 20 or 30 people at a time would come up and I just had some oversized cards and I had like one or two in each color, but they were like basic creatures. They were like three mana, three twos and stuff. And I would explain, here are the five colors. White does this, black does this. And not like black kills creatures and doesn't, no, it's just like, White is life gain, holy stuff, whatever. Red is wanting to burn stuff and break things. Green wants to do nature things and big creatures. But like that type, like broad explanation. Literally, that's it. Each thing got like a sentence or two. Then we said, okay, cool. Here's a creature. These are going to be the way you do the bulk of the damage. But you got to do something to get them into play. Each color, which you can see on the frame of the card, matches one of the colors of the lands. So if you look at the top, there's a mana symbol. Then you explain them the casting cost. Then once everybody gets that, you and all I did was I would ask one person, like, hey, okay, so if I want to cast this card, what do I need? 
And the person's like, you need three of the skulls and one of this thing. Like, absolutely. Got it. Right. Move to the next thing. Same thing. Power and toughness. This is what happens when creatures fight. And you explain it. And then you take two creatures that have equal power and toughness. Ask somebody what happens. You take two that are like two threes. Ask them what happened. Then you have the two three fight a three two. You ask them what happens. Once you confirm everybody gets it. Good. Then you have you explain instants and sorceries. And then you're like some other cards tell you what they do. Blah, 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 blah. Cool. Here's your starter deck. And then we moved them to some tables behind us. They could play against their friends they came with to the convention with or whatever. And then we had one or two judges walking around to answer questions. That is it. That's how you teach people how to play magic. <laughs> like, literally, that is it. Because the reality is the average player doesn't need more than that. They don't, they wouldn't know what to do with all the information. And I get it because as players, we think I really enjoy playing commander. I really enjoy playing cube. I really enjoy modern or whatever it is. But that's also because we've accumulated knowledge and experience or whatever to get us to the point that we enjoy that. The average person doesn't have that yet. They they barely understand that you can cast an instant on your opponent's turn. Yet you're trying to get them to do a thing that they have to understand complicated interactions and, you know, these cards work with these in the graveyard and blah, blah. Like, they're, they're not there yet. So just stair-step them into it. And, you know, step three, four, five could be introducing them to your favorite format or whatever. But that's my my thing. I would never. And again, it does work for some people. I'm not saying it's not going to work for anybody. But I can tell you, I have overwhelming success starting out doing it simple, then stair stepping people into it. That's worked way better, especially right now that we have jumpstart available. So after you teach somebody some rules or whatever, they can buy a jumpstart pack and mess around with it. Maybe add some of those cards to their deck that you gave them. Like, way, way better things to be doing other than throwing them into the deep end. We, we just live in a world where resources exist where you don't have to do that. But, uh, yeah, sorry, that's kind of a long explanation. But that's 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 what's well, been Well, I mean, you pretty much uh, <laughs> confirmed my feelings about draft. It's still probably my least favorite format, but... Yeah, yeah and, and, and I can tell you this. For the reasons you described. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. This is it. And you're not an inexperienced player and it still can be difficult. Right. So the only thing I can say to that is I have literally done conventions of people using that method and seen more people walk away happy and asking, hey, where can I buy more of these? Like who in the convention hall is selling magic cards or whatever? And it works. Right. You just have to be clean, concise and simple and excited. That's all you have to do. Like if a player is interested, they will take it the last mile for you themselves. Like trying to teach and don't and don't. Oh, this is the biggest thing. Don't try to correct their play. Just let them cast their cards. Right. They spend mana. They play a creature. It doesn't matter if it's not the best creature they could have played. Like, yeah, maybe they could have played a flyer to block something or whatever. Like, who cares? Just let them cast their cards and just let the game play out. If they lose, they lose. If they win, they win. Like. Don't worry about making the absolute best play. At that stage, it's just about casting the cards, attacking or blocking, dealing damage, and letting them experience it on their own. Like we've talked about it before. In the beginning, when we started playing, like it's a good I'm glad I went through the steps where I thought Crawworm was a badass creature. <laughs> it's not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it sucks. But it's just good to have gone through that exploratory process. Right. I went through it. I played with it. It was fun casting a big seven, six thing or whatever. 
But then within a month's time, I was kind of like, mm, this card's not great, is it? I almost never get to cast it because it costs too much. And it just dies to other junky things. I should probably just play something cheaper and better. But if somebody just went like, ah, you don't want to play that. And I'm like, why not? It's a 7-6. It's the biggest thing in my deck. You know, whatever. You kind of got to just let it roll. Don't worry about, uh, well, if you wait and you don't cast your thing now, you could do it when your opponent attacks and whatever. There will be a point where somebody's, they almost always just go like, what if I waited? Could I do this on this thing? And they'll ask you. And they're like, now you're seeing it. You know what I mean? But don't overwhelm them with too much because while you're explaining it to them they're still looking at the cards of their hand trying to figure out how they're going to cast their next creature yeah right you got to let them get comfortable with each phase of the learning process but yeah don't don't go too much too fast it's, it's just not worth it uh with that brian is there anything you want to say to the listeners the patrons the fans kind of wrapping up our 100th episode no pressure. Uh, um, I thanks to everybody who's ever listened to even one thing we did. You know, watched one YouTube video, one Twitch stream, or read a Card Sphere article, uh, an Alan's Ever After video. I think that's everything I'm attached to right now. We we appreciate it. You just, I'm trying not to get emotional, but hey, this is an emotional time. You know, this this has been. Uh, a weird, wild, and wonderful 100 episodes, and here's to 100 more. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, 100 episodes. I mean, it's one of those weird things, right? Like, I didn't think we were going to flop, but I also didn't know how long we were going to run it. And at this point, it might be 200 or 300. Who knows? Before we decide moving on to the next project or whatever. But, yeah, it's just nice to know that people did care about a lot of things we had to say about a lot of the topics we wanted to talk about. We've opened up a lot of discussions, whether that be in our discord or on, on social media about some different things. It's been nice to bring awareness to a few things, some events, some charities, some different stuff, you know, just being able to use our platforms for positive things you know, other than just entertainment for ourselves or promoting ourselves. Like, it's cool to be able to say like, hey, we can do these things for the community and for just gaming at large. And it can still be beneficial to us as well as all the people we're uh, trying to bring attention to. So yeah, uh, Brian told you about all his projects. Go click on the things. Go watch some of his videos. Go say hi to his mama because she's hilarious. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, seriously, if y'all hadn't watched some of the videos on Alan's Evan After with, with Mama, like y'all, y'all are missing out. Like, I don't You're doing it wrong. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Like you're just miss, I would I would literally go click on videos till you see Mama in a thumbnail and then and then click that one. Like that's that's what you need to do. As for me, I don't have Mama on my channel. You just gotta put it with me talking all the time. But uh, yeah, if you want to keep up with all the stuff going on with uh, Midnight Hunt, I've got previews up every day. You can check that stuff out. And uh, sometime between the time this show goes live and not, uh, I will have up my rankings. I think they have, somebody was calling them Power Dragons Power Rankings of the 32 NFL teams going into week one. So that'll be up. That's something new and different. But as always, wherever you're watching, whenever you're watching, 
Well, no, listening. We're not watching. We're listening. We're doing the podcast right now. <laughs> we, we do too many things. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just talking about all the stuff on YouTube. <laughs> whenever you're listening, whenever you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. In all seriousness, watch out for yourself and your family. Protect everybody with all the COVID and junk out there. And remember to just be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us at our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash color of magic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. <laughs>